Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, good morning. <laughs> Everybody's enjoying the conversations at their tables, but uh, I think we're going to get started. So good morning. Welcome to uh, Grace Based Parenting Week 7. Uh, I can't believe it's been seven weeks already. It has gone quickly, but it's been incredible. And I know that Peter and I have uh, greatly enjoyed being with you. So this week, as we look into week seven, we're going to talk about the freedom to be different. And that's really a cool conversation and a cool subject because not only are, are we as parents all unique, but our kids are unique as well. And so how do we, how do we let them be different, right? What does that look like and how do we dive into that? So a couple of things before we um, break into table time. As you see at your tables, there's uh, three by five cards. And what Peter and I would like to do towards the end of class today after the video is just kind of open it up for discussion and do kind of a question and answer time. We've had seven weeks and there's been a lot of information uh, thrown your way. And I'm sure that, you know, as we've processed these things, questions have arisen and uh, different situations in your at your home and with your kids have arisen I'll use that word again I want to say arise but that doesn't work so arisen arisen I don't even know I'm I'm trying I'm trying I'm making up words I'm a little a little on the tired side making up words like concretize and all these beautiful things that we can just throw together right um but if you have any questions, go ahead, write those down during, during at any point, and um, we'll gather them towards the end of class and just kind of go through those and, and just talk through some of the things we've been learning. Uh, last week, we talked about the square a little more in depth. And we talked about how, how do we how do we entrust kids? How do we start to give them responsibility? And how do we train them uh, in that responsibility? Again, always calibrating grace and truth so that we're investing in them and challenging them. Uh, and we talked about these four sides that I do, you watch. So if I'm gonna, you know, simple thing. Give, give, tell, tell my child, hey, let's clean your room. Let's, you know, go clean your room. But it's not go clean your room. It's, hey, let's go clean your room. And at first it's going to be, I do, and you just watch. Here's how we clean a room. And then, and then we're going to move into this step of, I'm going to do this, but you're going to help. We're going to move into this step of, now you're going to do this and I'm going to help. And then finally, you're going to do this and I'm going to watch. And, and I love this I watch because it means that I'm always here and I'm always with you, but you can do this. And if you need help, I can help, right? And so uh, as we break into our table time and just talk through some of these things, here, here's the questions I'd love you to process. Uh, one, what are some responsibilities that your, your child or children have? Uh, two, what are some other responsibilities that you could start to entrust to your children as they're getting older uh, what are some things you can entrust with them Uh, three how do you plan to walk them through this so in a specific responsibility how do you walk them through the square and then a question how many of you have children that are 10 or older okay excellent excellent and then how many of you have children that are like seven or older Okay, excellent. Uh, and then how about four or younger? 
Yeah, excellent. So at your tables, also, the older parents, parents that have children that are seven or older, uh, what are some things that you would encourage parents with younger children to do that maybe you wish you would have done or maybe that you did that was really helpful? So those are the things we'd love you to discuss at table time today. We're going to give you a little more time today, and we're going to spend a lot more time interactive today. So go ahead and uh, enjoy your table time. All right, so as we, uh, sorry, you guys have been conversing greatly, which is fantastic. I love that about this class is like, we, we love to give you these table times and you guys are great at it. And I love the conversations that I get to kind of eavesdrop on and hear how, how things are going, how you're processing, just, just how cool your kids are and, and the unique personalities and, and different adventures you guys get to go on with them. So, um... We're going to jump into the video. It's already like 10 o'clock, and this is about a 20-minute video. And then coming out of the video, uh, Peter and I have some things we want to share with you, and then we'll take any of those questions that you might have. So feel free to write down any of those on that 3 by 5 card, and we will start the video now. Week 7, uh, Freedom to be Different. I'd like to take you back to an illustration that we've used before that has been really helpful for me to take a look at um, allowing for your children to have a more individualized experience with you based on their personality, their interests, their likes, their dislikes. And we had talked about the road uh, before, and this is one of the leadership values that we have as elders at the church, that there is a boundary. These are guardrails right here around these corners. There are boundaries of that road. I didn't give you this scripture, but Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through chapter 6, verse 10, gives you some of the boundaries of scripture. These are the morals and the ethics. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't put worthless things before your eyes. The way that we're supposed to treat each other. But you'll notice that the how has been left out. We're told to love God and to love people. And then there are certain characteristics of that love. But specifically, what does that mean in your family? For example, in my family, it meant you can't scream, I hate you. But you can stomp your feet and go to your room and have your own time out. And we decided that within the freedom of this road, we could decide what would be the Buckland way to deal with certain kinds of behaviors. And so we would go around and ask other friends, what are you doing with your kids? And we'd read books and we'd try to figure out what is a good way that we could treat and teach our children self-control, living peaceably, um, being honest when they feel like lying, getting jobs done rather than totally procrastinating and putting them off. What we do with a character flaw, somebody who would much rather lie than tell the truth, or somebody who would be mean and run over somebody's emotions rather than see that those are important places to change your behavior. What what we do about all of that? So we just developed this idea that we had a lot of freedom on this road. We could, we could drive in these lanes. We could walk in these lanes. We could do what we wanted to within the boundaries of Scripture and be able to have our children learn what would it mean to grow up to be mature. What we also did was we allowed other families to have their own rules. 
so that we weren't always criticizing other people who did things differently. It's kind of like Christ Church does not criticize any other churches at all. You won't ever hear that here. You won't hear it from the pulpit. You won't hear it from us because there are multiple ways to love God and worship God and be his people. What we want to do is do things biblically. And so our road is going to try to find the very best um, links to Scripture that we can find. And we're going to say that's what we want to do. So when you're looking at this idea of the road, I would encourage you to think through, well, well, how could I really help for my children to be honest when they don't want to be honest? How could I help them to have self-control when they don't want to have self-control? What does love really mean in our family? So we, we would just work primarily off of this square of the I do, you watch, to you do, I watch, and really try to build in some methods that were helpful. Now, this was a really important key for me. I expected misbehavior. I just didn't know when it would happen. And that cured a lot of my anger. I didn't expect perfection. I expected mistakes. I expected them to not get it. I would expect them to run off in their personality trait. I have some of those too. So if I get really tired, some of my natural personality traits will tend to vie for more attention. My kids are the same way. And so I just decided um, as I got going with parenting and frustrated that my children weren't as self-controlled and self-disciplined as I wanted them to be, that I needed to change my approach to more of a coaching approach of I can see that you're having trouble. So I look on misbehavior as a statement from my children saying I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do here, or I've fallen back on old patterns of behavior, or I just am so angry I can't see any other good response. And I came to expect that that would happen. And when I would expect that it would happen, I would be much more ready to look at them and say, I can help you. And maybe what I need to do is get you to calm down. So time out was a calm down. It wasn't a punishment. It was, hey, you just need to kind of calm down. And we would actually send our kids to their room to calm down rather than sit in a chair. And then I would go in and I would talk to them and say, what can we do differently? And that's when I would try to help them to figure out what needed to be done and then help them to get that accomplished until they could go to their room, they could put themselves back together again, and they could come out and they could do what they needed to do. And so I just decided that a part of my job was to put down what I wanted to do and pick up what my children needed. I can't recall during the times that our children were really young, some of you could probably resonate with this, when was the last time that I actually had a meal served at the correct temperature? Because we had three kids, and one of them usually needed help around a mealtime because something was going on. And so we would be late getting to the table, but we would get there. We'd pray. We'd have to go work on something. We would come back, and I would just stick my food in the microwave, or my cold stuff would go back in the refrigerator, and we'd pull it out, and we would, we would eat. And that all ended eventually, and my children had a lot better behavior. Um, And so I decided that I would sacrifice in trying to figure out how this road would actually work for us. I've asked Adam, since he didn't have a chance to give you some of his insights about this road, to be able to do that this morning. So Adam, why don't you come out up here, bud? And then we'd love to take whatever questions you might have. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you guys know by now how uh, I, I love to be very particular about language, and I think uh, definitions are really important. So when we look at this, I think the word we're trying to define is freedom, right? So if I were to ask you, how do you define freedom, what would you say? Anything I want. Anything I want. 
Absolutely, right? Jamie, you were going to say something? Make your own choices. Yeah, make your own choices. Excellent, excellent. And I think that's the way we kind of grow up hearing about it, right? Freedom is the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, however I want, whyever I want, with whomever I want. And since we're all PC, as long as it doesn't hurt that other person, right? But God defines it really differently. And this is a great illustration of that. If you look at Genesis 2.16, if you have your Bible... This is really fascinating to me because it's the first time recorded in scripture that God talks to man. And the first thing he ever says to man is this, you're free. Fascinating. God says the first thing God ever says is you're free. But then because he loves us, he defines it. He says, you're free to eat from any tree of the garden except for the tree of of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you'll surely die. So God doesn't define freedom as doing whatever you want. He always defines it with living within the boundaries and parameters that are set for righteousness, which is right relationship with God, and holiness, that is to be set apart for God's purpose. And when you live in that freedom on this road... Man, it's fantastic, right? There's right relationship with God, which answers the question, who am I? There's there's being set apart for God's purpose, which answers the question, what am I here for? But when I live outside of these boundaries, what we think is free, because I can do whatever I want, right, is actually anarchy and chaos. Uh, So living within these boundaries is really important. And as we parent our children, helping them to discover that, man, living within these boundaries, living on this road is so much better than this jagged, hillside, rocky, thorny place that is off of the road. So I just wanted to share that with you. And then we will kind of take these questions up. So if you have questions, we'll come around and pick up these cards and uh, kind of process some of this stuff. All right, here's one of, one of our questions is, how do you stay focused or in the grace-based model in the moment of chaos? <laughs> okay, here, here, is, yeah, here is something that um, I ended up working on that really helped me with this. Um, other than I would expect problems, um, this is what I would do, is I would begin to anticipate Um, for myself, what is my usual way of relating, and I'm just going to use this idea of chaos, when things just aren't working the way that I would like for them to work. What do I try to do? If you're familiar with uh, the colors, I am 83% red, um, and I am a general, and what I like to do is use power in order to put everything back in order. And if I hurt your feelings while I'm using that power, your feelings should be hurt because we are in chaos. Okay, that's, that's the way that I operate in the flesh. Now that's really a great skill when it's redeemed, but when it is not redeemed, it can create a tremendous amount of damage because I don't see the nuances of the emotions and I don't really care about your motives or your intentions. And those are really important to pay attention to. So one of the first things that I had to do was admit to what my natural wiring would be in case I got surprised. 
and then I would just fall into that. My wife, on the other hand, is opposite of me. She is white and blue, and she hates conflict. And so what she will do is she will go silent but deadly, and she'll get really, really quiet, and she'll be really nice to the kids, and then I would come home, and I would get all of that vinegar and anger and frustration, and then I would go and solve the chaos in my family by splattering children's emotions all over the place because I did not want to come home to a wife that complained about them when she wouldn't do what I thought she should do and she and I would have a conversation and we splattered everywhere else also. None of that really worked very well about this. So here's what I learned. I had to be really honest about who I am and what would happen if I, didn't, if I was not led by the Holy Spirit in that moment. And so I started my own devotional life to take a look at what did I need to learn in my own mind, what were the truths that I needed to embed. Secondly, I would mentally rehearse those truths. What would it be like for me to walk in the house and use my desire to be in control to go around to each person and let them know that I was there and ask them how did the day go, including my wife. Uh, I would have meetings with my kids that I would just sit down with them and I'd say, okay, tell me a little bit about what's going on. I tucked all my children in bed all the way up through high school where whenever I was home, I would sit on the edge of their bed. I would ask them about their day. I would pray for them. We would set their minds for the next day. That's the general, if you could say that, that was redeemed using my traits of power in order to try to provide direction in the right way. And then when I got angry and frustrated I learned to keep my mouth shut that the first thing that I needed to do was be quiet and the second thing I needed to do was pray and the third thing that I needed to do was ask them what what really is going on because I could have empathy if I could see pain if I could see why you were really acting this way I could empathize with you but if I thought you're just being a jerk I'd like to straighten you out without warming up your body and get you good and ready to go because that's kind of my natural inclination. I would tend to look in people as the problem rather than hear what the issue was and help them to move forward. And so I would always ask them, will you tell me what's really going on? And I'd have to be really quiet, especially if I already pre-decided, usually incorrectly, pre-decided what was going on. Because, remember, my tendency is to just run over people and create what I wanted to create. So I had to learn a series of skills that would be really helpful for me that were more of a process to get things going. And here's, here's what I've learned. I've learned it in training and I've learned it in practice. Our children want to be connected to us. And when their misbehavior breaks that connection, I have to be the big person to figure out a way for them to reconnect. They don't reconnect when I use too much power. They don't reconnect if I yell at them. They don't reconnect if I don't listen to them. So the number one thing that I learned is if my kids are having trouble, if my wife is having trouble, if somebody from the church is having trouble, I need to listen to what that trouble is. Rather than predetermine what should have happened, I need to listen to them and then begin to direct them in the way that things need to be. Who is up for the task? Not me. So I had to learn that the spirit who lives within me is always up for the task. 
And I had to learn how to pray through my day. I had to learn how to pray before I would go home. I had to learn how to pray before I walked into a room that my kids were in. I had to learn how to pray when my wife would want to talk and I'd want to go to sleep. I'd have to learn how to pray, Lord, you are up for this moment and you need to help me because my natural tendency is to railroad and run over everybody. Um, And I needed help in order to get overcome that to really use my personality in a really helpful way. Yeah, absolutely. If I were going to sum up what Peter just said, and and if you're around me long enough, I'm going to steal your Bible. If you're around me long enough, um, you'll just hear me only ever answer a question with this. Uh, Just spend time with Jesus. And uh, what I love about that is that that this is what Jesus modeled for us. If you look at Luke 4.1, this is a fascinating thing, and it's exactly what Peter just talked about. Luke 4.1, it says this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. So, understand this. If you have given your life to Christ, you are full of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is a fact. The Holy Spirit indwells you. You are full of the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is fan- fascinating to me. So, so, this wilderness experience. So, he goes to the wilderness. He fasts 40 days and 40 nights. He's tempted by the enemy. All this stuff. Right? And then, in verse 14, I believe it is. It says this. So this just happened. Jesus goes full of the Spirit, spends tons of time in a solitary place with the Father. And it says this in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So he goes full of the Spirit, spends time with the Father, comes out in the power of the Spirit. And then if you look at Luke 5.16, it says this. Jesus often withdrew... To lonely places. This is the same word, wilderness, lonely places. Same word. And prayed. So what Peter was talking about this is this. I had to learn how to withdraw to that solitary place and spend time with the Father. Spend time with Jesus. Praying, full of the Holy Spirit, and then empowered by the Spirit, heading into the mission of the day. Whatever that is. Uh, engaging with kids, coworkers, family, my spouse, etc., etc. Right. So this is the rhythm of our life: abide with Jesus, be fruitful. Right. That's John fifteen five, and Jesus says this: If you abide with me, I'll abide with you, and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's the rhythm of our life. Right. Spend time with Jesus, be fruitful, full of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. And so, absolutely, because Jesus saw chaos, right? He healed the sick, and he cast out demons. And I know my kids are sick a lot, and sometimes I really wonder if they're possessed. Uh, so, I'm going to hand it over to Peter, and... Uh... Yeah, we'll need to uh, probably close. It's about 35 after. I did bring my contract for not yelling. It's right there. <laughs> And if you want to look at that, you're welcome to. I keep it in the office, um, so it's nearby. I don't want to lose it. It's got wax and stuff on it, so it's been through the grist mill. It was written in 2001, July 18, 2001, and uh, was the beginning of a big change in my relationship with my kids about becoming the right kind of person. Um, so that's that's the best that I could do at that time, and you're welcome to take a look at it if you'd like to. But um, let's close with a word of prayer.
and ask the Lord to really bless our efforts. Lord, thank you so much that we can be in this room and be word-centered and grace-focused and give testimony to how you, when you enter into our lives and we invite you in, are going to be our coach and our mentor. Uh, We are so grateful to you, Spirit, for being the the person who guides us and transforms us and changes us and reminds us what we need to do. And so we specifically ask that you, Holy Spirit, will direct us and focus our minds and bring to our awareness scriptures and words and conversation that we need in the moment that we need it. And that secondly, you would help us to be prepared to be good coaches and mentors and trainers and disciplers and moms and dads of our children because they're going to misbehave even today or they're not going to get it even today or they're going to completely fall apart into a crying big puddle of mess sometime today or be angry because they didn't get what they wanted sometime today or be afraid of something sometime today. You make us up for the task. And you help us to be able to see that they're in distress and that we can embrace them and guide them and direct them and help them. And when we need to, we can discipline them in a way that will help to direct them and keep them out of harm's way. Thank you, Lord, for the friendships that are in this room. We thank you for your friendship with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.